Hello friends, so quick announcement for those of you that are listening this on November 13th or 14th. Uh, SAA is going up in price again, 500 bucks. So if you are someone who was interested in joining, I would, I would honestly say this is the right time because Jacob doesn't joke around. It's not false scarcity. Uh, Mastermind will go up in price like it did three times already. So again, if you wanna claim my bonuses and enter at a really low price, now is the time. Uh, it goes up in price on November 15th. That's why I mentioned those dates. With that said, also my coaching program that I'm starting, Meta Affiliate Intensive, is starting in three, okay, four days of me recording on basically on Monday, November the 16th. So if you're someone who does have like really good Facebook strategy, who has good high ticket program, uh, and you already use your Facebook profile to make money online, but you got yourself stuck either not making high ticket sales or making maybe one or two, but not not something that's really sustainable, then I would invite you to message me simply on Messenger. I'll tell you more about the program. I think we have only two or three more spots left. I will know soon, but every day... Uh, there is less time obviously to apply. I'm only looking for seven people. Three are in. Uh two more, two or three more should be on. Still not sure. Uh, but yeah, there is not a lot of spots left. So also due to that, you can reach out to me during weekend and enter it as a beta student for really, really low price because every other time it will go up in price. Uh all right, with that said, uh just had to get done with this and i want to tell you that as always you're listening to affiliate journey and i'm your host mildrag milenkovic now i'm a full-time affiliate for about six months now actually on the 18th it's gonna be exactly six months and it's been quite a journey i i've been doing podcasting for around month uh year and like four three or four months and every Friday, I'm releasing new episodes with six, seven, and or eight figure earners. And every Tuesday, I'm sharing my own story, journey, strategies, and everything I pick up along the way that I know that can help you in your own business. So with that said, if you are either a first-time listener or if for whatever reason you haven't yet subscribed, I would definitely invite you to do so. Also, if you if you have listened to at least one episode and if you got any value out of any episode, I would invite you to take one minute of your busy day and leave us a review on Apple because it helps the show grow and it doesn't take a lot of your time and or effort. So I would be really thankful and appreciative of that. All right, with all of that said, I want to tell you that our today's guest is Lloyd, who runs multiple six-figure business. He's Facebook organic marketer mostly, and he he's crushing it online. Uh, I mean, I can I have a feel when I talk to people who has like the real, real deep knowledge and who is more on a, if you will, superficial level. And I want to tell you, Lloyd knows his stuff. Uh, I enjoyed the interview. And we went down a lot of like strategy slash tactic avenues and boy are you in for a treat uh i think again you will get a lot of value definitely give me feedback on it and yeah enjoy the episode Hello everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Affiliate Journey and I'm your host, Mildrag Milenkovic. Today I have this exceptional individual, uh, which I just got the chance to meet and I'm already honestly impressed uh, and I love the things that he is doing and I can't wait to dive deeper into it because we just kind of like superficially touched base on what he is doing and it's it's really, really, really interesting. So please help me in welcoming Lloyd Yip. Man, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I really uh, appreciate it. It's It's going to be a fun conversation today. Yeah, definitely. We are kind of into similar stuff, I want to say. I mean, organic marketing, uh, 
affiliate a bit. You don't do it quite like full time, but it's it's a nice income stream, definitely. Uh, so before we dive into any of the goodies, like could you share with the listeners a bit about your background story and how did you come actually to doing what you're doing today? Yeah, for sure. So my background story, like I began as an entrepreneur when I was 18. Uh, it was totally by happenstance. Um, I was in college and there was like a dude passing out this clipboard around the lecture hall and my friend signed up. So, you know, as college kids are, you just do what your friends do. So I didn't even know what it was that I was signing up for. I just wrote my name down. And then literally two days later, some dude calls me and he says like, Hey, do you want to open a window cleaning company? which is like the weirdest phone call, right? Like as an 18 year old, I'm just thinking about girls and my next exam or whatever. But then for whatever reason, after a couple of phone calls and me in my head, knowing that it was like a really weird thing to do, I was just like, fine, whatever. Let's just uh, start a window cleaning company and get a car and buy ladders and hire some local kids as employees. And that was actually my first job ever. I hadn't even worked a job before that. I had never even had a boss. So the fact that my first job was me needing to be the boss of three employees, you can imagine how hard that was. And I'll be very honest, like that first experience, like there were some wins, but like a lot of mistakes were made, of course, you know, as an 18 year old entrepreneur. And then ever since then, I never looked back. Like it was all about sales. It was all the marketing. I switched over from being more in like sports science into business school. And then I graduated and went directly into technology. I worked a couple of years at a software company in sales. And then I left that company, then worked at a really small startup. I was like the first employee at that startup. And we actually scaled out from zero to 2.5 million in like 18 months or so. And we built a pretty good sales team. I was leading a lot of the revenue operations, sales, marketing, content, all that stuff. And then after a while, you just want to build your own thing, right? You don't want to be working your ass off just to help someone else get rich off of your work and energy, you want to be able to provide wealth for yourself and, and be able to really seize your own dreams. So that's more or less what I did. I began my consultancy. And in the beginning, it really was more about just like growth consulting and sales, because that's my, my core background. As much as a marketer I am, like I came from the sales world more so than the marketing world. So I was just trying to like teach people how to sell and teach people how to negotiate and handle objections and all this stuff. And that was really fun. but here's actually why my business is what it is now. Cause as everyone here now knows, like I'm very much focused on organic marketing and that's pretty much what I help my clients achieve. But the reason why I arrived at that specific model is because I had a lot of problems in the first six to 12 months of building my business in terms of client acquisition. I was really good at sales, but I was having a hard time figuring out the, like the, the, engines to build to consistently create demand for myself. So maybe your clients will resonate with this. In the beginning, I was just doing cold outreach, right? On LinkedIn, on email, a little bit on Facebook. I was just like DMing people. And you can get results once in a while, but it's just like really low conversion rate. And people don't really know who you are. So even if you get results, it's a lot of energy to get those results. And after a while, you're just, it feels like you're beating your head against the wall. It's just not efficient. So then I tried a little bit of content marketing, right? And I was wanting to get my name out there. And it worked on occasion, but it didn't always lead to revenue. And there was a difference between just getting vanity metrics and vanity engagement, like likes and shares and comments versus actually sales and meetings. So that was another problem that I ran into. Then I did what everyone else does. And I tried to mess around with paid ads a little bit. And then with paid ads, I was finding that my, my return on ad spend was really bad. I was always like nervous because I didn't have that much cash flow on hand anyway. So like I wasn't really to fully invest or optimize it. And then my ad account got banned, <laughs> which is happening a lot these days. So I was like, oh, this is, there's got to be a better way of me being able to like find my clients. And then ever since then, I just went on like a year and a half long mission of trying to figure out like, what is the best way of doing organic marketing? Um, and then that's actually now what I've pivoted my, my business into because I solved that. I solved them how to like be one of the best organic marketers on the internet space right now. No ad spend needed to still hit those 50K, 100K months. Um, and then obviously we're incorporating that into the sales and the psychology and the negotiations that I already had before. And that's really what I, I try to help people with today. Um, but it all comes back from like my sales background. And then 
in the first year or so of building my business, the, the reality um, of, of knowing that paid is really hard for a lot of people, but so is organic. And, and you got to solve, you got to solve both to a degree, but in the beginning, especially you got to solve organic because in the beginning, you just don't have the cash flow to really invest a ton into paid ads if you're selling a high ticket offer. Um, but you don't necessarily want to be beating your head against the wall doing the organic strategies that frankly worked in 2015, but don't work anymore today in 2020. And I feel a lot of people are teaching kind of recycled shit from five years ago, as yeah. you're yeah. you're saying. And don't get me started on that. But I love I love that you mentioned the two things that I've been constantly preaching are you actually need to get good at marketing and sales. And you you mentioned that a lot as well. And I want to dive into both. Like first things first, like. I got a lot of affiliates coming up to me and they're like, they're doing Facebook organic. It's kind of like a mix of content slash outreach. And they're like, yeah, my conversion rates are horrible. And my first thinking is like, well, honestly, I think your marketing sucks. So you first like attracted wrong people in the first place. So you cannot even expect like high conversion. So let's start with the marketing because it goes before selling. Like, what are some things you see people trip over and over and over again? And what are some better, like newer strategies that you employ that your clients employ today versus like 2015 on, or whatever people were doing back at a time? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I want to address something that you had said before. Like sometimes people are messing up in terms of their marketing, not even due to the tactics themselves, but because they don't understand who their audience is. And if you don't understand who your audience is, it does not matter if you're really good at copy or if you understand how to use automation or whatnot. The reality is that is the first thing that needs to be solved before you can do any sort of effective marketing. Who is your audience? Their psychology, understanding how they think, understanding how they describe their own situation. You almost want to know their problems better than they know it themselves. Because if you understand these things, then it enables you to then figure out what is the right copy for them. Because good copy is not just your writing skills. It's like knowing the psychology of your buyers. And then obviously, if you know who your audience is, then you better understand what channels to utilize. And that's something that's really critical too, because with organic, that's a bit of a catch-all term, right? Technically, you could do organic marketing on YouTube. You could do organic marketing by being on other people's podcasts. You could do organic marketing on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. So like, it's not enough to just say you do organic. You want to make sure that you understand which of these channels actually contain the, the densest amount of your ideal customers. So knowing where they spend their time, knowing their language that they use to articulate their own problems, those are like the building blocks before you even get into the tactics. However, let's say we understand who our audience is. Let's say we understand which channels to go to and the basic copy that we should be writing. What are the specific strategies that we can use? Well, let's, let's use Facebook. Right, and and maybe I'll go through Facebook and uh, LinkedIn today. If there's any other uh, channel that you would want me to talk more about organically, please just ask, and I'll try to go into those as well. But I think Facebook and LinkedIn are are probably the biggest, and that's why I want to go into them. With Facebook, what I've seen work the best is super content driven reach out. So in the past, when you think about organic marketers who were giving like guru advice in 2016 or whatever, like you had talked about. The, the advice was like just DMing people cold, <laughs> which when you think about it is like ridiculous because 99.9% .9 of people on Facebook um, not only don't want to be sold, but they don't even know people are trying to sell on Facebook. So if you reached out to them cold, they're going to be so confused. Like imagine your mom. And that's the thing, like the average demographic now on Facebook is like 35 to 45 years old or something like that. If you reach out to them and you're just like, ask them like, Hey, do you want to buy this thing? It's going to be super weird to them. And they're generally not going to reply. And then Facebook is going to start seeing that you're sending all these friend requests and these cold messages that aren't getting responses. And they're going to think that you're spamming and they're going to freeze your account. This happens all the time, right? This is not the right way to do cold messaging. And even if it does work, the percentage reply rate is so low that it would take you like hours and hours of messaging to even just get one meeting booked in the calendar or one conversion of whatever it is that you're trying to convert on. It's just not effective usage of anyone's time. 
Instead, what you want to do on Facebook is bring people to you. And that's why community is now so powerful because communities and Facebook groups is now where Mark Zuckerberg is spending all of his energy. Um, in the most recent Super Bowl commercial, this would have been like either 2019 or 2020. I don't remember exactly which year, but the most recent Super Bowl commercial, the first Super Bowl ad that Facebook has ever paid for was about Facebook groups. They're really pushing it because now they know the channel that people use to stay in touch with their friends, that's Instagram, right? The channel to just meet other strangers online to congregate around certain topics, that's Facebook. Facebook is better at that than Instagram. So now you have these communities where you can go in and there's other like-minded people just like you interested about this specific topic. This is where you want to start sharing your content. And if you're sharing content consistently and if it's educational and it's inspirational and you're in the community where your audience spends their time in and the content that you're writing is really good, and obviously none of these things I'm saying is like easy, but let's say you can do it, then what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of people that are like, whoa, this person's really good at this thing. And they see your name again and again and again because you're always releasing this new content. And then naturally what's going to happen is they're going to talk to you. They're going to send you direct messages. They're going to send you friend requests. There's going to, they're going to comment below and ask you like, hey, like, tell me a bit more about what you do or your thoughts on this question. Um, maybe they'll find your email and be like, hey, I, I love your posts. I'm having this problem. Like, can you help me? And that's almost like where things begin on Facebook where you are pushing yourself out there in terms of the content that you're creating. And then you're starting to build a bit more of a pull mechanism rather than just a hard push mechanism. However, we don't want to do just content alone because just content alone will only get you so far. And here's the analogy that I like to use. Um, let's say you're a guy at the bar and hopefully the women here can still understand this analogy. Um, but I, I think you will. So if you're a guy at the bar and you want to talk to uh, a cute girl across the bar, even if you look really good, you're well-dressed, you're groomed, you're around cool friends who make you look like a cool dude. The reality is 90% of women will not approach you. And you know, what's crazy women might see you and they might in their head think, you're very attractive, but they still won't approach you. They want you to approach them. Maybe they'll even step away from their friends for a second to make it easier for you to approach them. They want to feel approachable. But at the end of the day, 90% of women will not take the initiative of going after you, even if they would be very happy to talk to you. That's actually what content is in digital marketing. You might put really good content out there and that makes you that attractive guy, or in this case, that attractive digital marketer or that entrepreneur who knows their stuff. And people might read it and love it, but 90% of those people who read it and love it and consume it will still not reach out to you. They would be happy to talk to you if you spoke with them, but they will not take the initiative. So that's kind of step one, right? The step one is putting the content out there, but step two is actually being proactive and talking to them. Remember like in 2016, the gurus just told us to DM like 50 people a day. It's like, okay, whatever. That's kind of dumb. But today it's not as though you don't DM. It's just that you DM the people that you already know like your stuff. So you're meeting in the middle. If we go back to that dating analogy, imagine the guy in the bar who's got their stuff together and they're attractive and they're around like cool people and whatever. So like the women around him, they, they would love for him to step in and, and, and open, but now he's actually willing to open. He's not just standing there being all cool at the bar, waiting for the women to approach. Like it's not going to happen. So you're combining like inbound content and thought leadership with outbound proactivity. And this not only is going to help your conversion rate because people here already know who you are. They saw your content, but it also helps your lead quality because these are the people who have followed your stuff. They're probably a good fit because if they weren't a good fit, they wouldn't have even commented or sent you a friend request or asked a question in the comments below. These are all the things that really work well. Um, on the Facebook side. And you know what's crazy? This isn't even it. I'm not even done yet. Do you want me to continue? Or do you yeah, want to like step in and, and share some comments first? Okay, let me a second. First thing that you said, and I really loved and funnily enough, hour ago, I jumped on a Facebook Live and I actually 
was talking about what you said, like even the best strategy or whatever you do won't matter if you lack fundamental skills. Again, marketing, selling, and what you also said, like knowing your audience, which is also like what I touched upon in the in the live and knowing where they are like where is your what is your market like where they are hanging what are their thoughts beliefs everything that makes the content so good like people approach me and they're like man how are you writing so good content and i think to myself well first obviously i did it a lot like almost every day on facebook post after post but second thing i was in those groups and i know what people do how they think where they get stuck on and i can write about that and i know who is my target audience to your point so i really love that you pointed that out because honestly i think that i want to say at least in affiliate marketing i want to say 70 percent of people are stuck on this part funnily enough and then maybe okay let's let's put it like this maybe 50 percent are stuck here 40% are stuck because they suck at marketing and then 10% could be like technicalities or something else, maybe strategy a bit better refined or tactics. Uh, and ironically, they run into tactics like, oh, here's how to do this shit. And you like everything before and you like do this and you're like, oh, this doesn't work. Like affiliate marketing is not working. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> anyways, uh, one more thing I think I wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm curious to to hear your take on it because I love the the point that you made. Like when you create quality content, and people kind of like like it, they raise their hand, they comment, whatever. But the reoccurring problem that I see will happen in the future, and I know you're also in the Facebook, so you might have seen it also. There are a lot of like chrome extensions a lot of bots and a lot of people just randomly commenting on shit like happy tuesday on a post that doesn't have to do anything with it or something like stupid like that so i'm curious to 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 hear your take on how will that impact the strategy and just continue on i, I love i loved everything you shared so far yeah so when it comes to technology and automation i like to use analogies i'm going to make another one for you right now so you have automation, it's just like a robot, right? It's just a full robot. And then you have personalization, which is just a human doing it by hand manually. So the benefit of the automation is that you can scale. You're able to do more without really needing to spend much time. Cool. Like that is easily understood to be helpful, right? But when you're doing it yourself, the benefit there is you're probably going to build a bit more of a genuine connection and a relationship. You're truly personalizing or getting to know that other person a bit more. But neither of these are like the right way of doing things because with automation and being like 100% robotic, um, even if you can scale, your conversion rates are usually not going to be great because people can tell that it's automation. People can tell it's like, ooh, that doesn't look like a person. But then even if you're the best like copywriter ever, or you're the best at outbound sales, if you're doing everything by hand, like that's too, even if the conversion rate's really good, you, you can't scale that. Like, so you don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. It's too extreme. What you want to be is a cyborg. A cyborg is like a combination of a human and, and a machine, right? Um, the reason why I say this is because it blends both best of both worlds where when you have automation to the degree that you can start scaling out your campaigns, but then you're still personalizing so that the campaigns feel very human. That's when you can actually really impact and create relationships in a much larger volume. When I work with technology, because there are a lot of Chrome extensions, there's a lot of web apps, there's a lot of desktop apps, there's a lot of like plugins that you can use. And I use a lot of them. I never use it to the point where people can tell that it's not me. And that's a fine balance that people have to walk. It's like, how do you use technology to a point, but still have no one realize they're using technology? And that's a crazy thing, right? Like people are always shocked when they talk to me on the phone call at the degree at which I've automated my business, but they never felt like it was automation. They always thought it was like really me there. It's like almost a mic drop moment. Cause I'll be on a call with someone and I'll be like, yeah, by the way, that wasn't me. That was hundred percent on me. And they're like, what? But we had this like long, amazing conversation. And 
and you told me so much stuff and, and I thought we were really connecting. It's like, that's not me. So how do you build that? How do you build that cyborg where you're really connecting automation and, and personalization together in a way where you're maximizing conversion rate, you're maximizing volume, but no one ever knows. So that, that topic maybe is a topic for another day because like then we're really getting into the weeds of all the technologies and, and how do you balance the two. But that's my philosophy in general when it comes to tech. Like never use it to the degree that it takes away from the humanity of the conversation or, or the genuineness of the relationship. It needs to still uh, feel human. But that's the thing. Like if, if all you do or all you care about is profit and revenue, like this cyborg approach will generate more revenue, right? Because you're able to have volume, but personalized. And that's what's key. Love that, man. Love. Um, all right. So to come back, uh, we were talking, okay, about marketing. So obviously people need to hone in on their customer avatar, where they are. How do they think, improve their content, then do the outreach. So another point where I hear a lot of affiliates, at least Facebook organic affiliates trip up on is they do cold messaging. They're going back and forth on messenger. And this is one of the, the most complaints I get is like, but how do I transition from a casual conversation to a business slash sales slash pitch conversation like a lot of people trip over there yeah so this is this is a problem that i totally understand it's a problem that can also be solved by having a bit more of a content focused approach because the content will then set the context for the conversation right if you're just like cold dming someone they don't know who you are they don't understand that you guys have a mutual interest in this topic but if they first engage with your content and your content's about this topic, then if you were to DM them, or maybe they're even DMing you, the, the context of the conversation is already set. It came from the content. So let's say I post about organic marketing. Let's say I post about growth, um, sales, whatever. If someone likes it and then asks a question in that comment below, where it's like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm dealing with this problem when it comes to my sales cycle. Like, what do you think? If I then have a private direct message with them, like that's where we're going to start the direct message conversation. Like, we're just going to be like, hey, I saw that you asked a question in that post about sales. Just wanted to have a quick uh, DM here since it would be easier for us to have a bit of a back and forth. Or if someone sends you a friend request and you know that it's a person that first commented on that post, then you can just be like, hey, I um, saw that you... Uh, wanted to connect it. I think, I think you saw me in that post earlier. Very cool that you resonated. Like, how's your business going? Or like the post was about sales. What, what about my post resonated with you? So you're setting the context of the conversation based off the content. And then from there, it's way easier to transition into a sales call or at least an ask for a sales call because you can just straight up ask like, Hey, um, obviously that post was about organic marketing, like, how are you doing your organic today? Are you struggling with it? Are you even doing it at all? Right. And then eventually in that conversation, you're going to start asking if they're dealing with specific problems. And if they are, then you just straight up say like, Hey, um, that's literally what I do. If, if I jumped on a quick call with you and just showed you how to better uh, solve that problem or attack that issue, would that be valuable? And they're going to say yes. Right. So that's a transition that I use, but yeah, like if, if you're doing it purely cold, it's a little bit out of context. That's another reason why pure cold outreach is, is silly. Um, there, there aren't many, there aren't many um, situations where cold outreach makes the most sense. There are situations that it can make sense, but it rarely makes the most sense of all the tactics that you can use. So with, in my organic process, actually I still do some cold outreach, but it's just like really targeted cold outreach. That's the situation that I do it. If it's a cold outreach that I can like say where like, Hey, like you and I have this mutual friend together or like you and I are in the part of like the same program or the same membership or, or they're just like really, really focused. And that's something that's cool about LinkedIn where on LinkedIn, you can just straight up filter people on job titles and um, geographies and how long they've been in their company or whatever. Like in that situation, you have so much context there that you can 
be more likely to get away with uh, just like pure cold outreach. But still, like you're you're not optimizing for conversion rate if you're doing pure cold. Um, but then, yeah, you, you still got to be able to manage the conversation itself well, though, because even with that context, if, if you're not asking the right questions, if you don't know how to form your pitch and, and sell the value of the meeting itself, then it's still not going to be uh, effective. So those are my thoughts, I think, on, on the transition from like the conversation into the pitching of the sales call. Yeah, man, I loved it. I know when I started, I was I was on the both ends. First, I was like... I hate it when someone comes and pitch me. So I really stayed away from it. So I would go in into like a friendly conversation and I got stuck there. And I was like, well, there's no point if like asking anything, it's going to be so awkward. Yeah. And then I went to the other end. I was like, I wasn't pitching, but I was always like just straight business right ahead, not wasting time. Well, now I know like to kind of balance the two to kind of like keep it like you don't know. It's a conversation. Exactly. Like you don't know if the person yeah. actually needs anything. Like if someone does affiliate marketing for 10 years and does seven figures, I can pitch them. I mean, I can, but there's no point. Like my, my solution is not for them. Um, uh, anyways, like now let's, let's dive into like your, I, I want to say main area of expertise, which are sales, right? Uh, you said you were doing that before, before marketing and everything. So mm -hmm. what is your take on sales? How do you do it? Any tips for beginners? Yeah. Any tips for people that are doing it, but kind of feel like they're stuck with it? Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that like sales and then marketing is separate. To me, what I've learned in the last two years is that it's not separate. Like are, are there things that are traditionally known as marketing functions and then traditionally known as sales functions? Yeah. Like I understand that there's a traditional understanding that there's you know, here, here sales marketing is, is here, but like at the end of the day, they're brother and sister. It's, it's like two peas in a pod. It's two sides of the same coin. It's all client acquisition to a degree. Right. I actually think that sales begins with marketing. I actually think that the higher the ticket that you are trying to sell, the more you need marketing to work, because if you don't, then sales is going to be too dependent on to generate your, your customers. So. This is more and more the case, I think, with, with expensive offers where let's say you're looking at something that's $5,000, right? Just arbitrary number. A purchase of that price, you're almost forcing the prospect to be evaluating for days, if not weeks, before they make the purchase decision. Like very few people just make a $5,000 purchase like that. It's rare because you want to do your due diligence. You want to make sure that it's the right purchase. You want to feel safe. And obviously when it comes to sales, you might be jumping on a sales call and you might be trying to convince someone like, Hey, this is why this thing is worth $5,000. You should buy. But if that's the first time that they've ever spoken with you on the phone and you're trying to sell them something that's $5,000, they are very rarely going to just like buy. Usually they'll be like, you know what? Like, this is a big decision. I got to go back and talk to my husband, my wife, my boss, my co-founder, whatever. And maybe that drags out for a couple of weeks. Maybe in that time span, they're talking to their friends who've also worked with you. They're looking at reviews. They're seeing if you have a YouTube channel. They're, they're seeing if you have an Instagram presence, right? They're trying to do everything that they need to do to figure out and convince themselves that this is actually the right move to make. So yeah, like if you if you have a sales call and you have a really good sales call, and then you set a follow up call and do another sales call in three days, and then you set a final call like three days after that, then maybe you don't need any of those other channels or platforms to create that level of persuasion. Maybe you just do it over the course of three or four sales calls. But like that's just inefficient, right? As a salesperson, we don't want to be spending that much energy into closing one deal. This is why marketing is so helpful because. If you have a really good sales call, what you want the sales call to be with is someone who already loves your stuff and is just like using the sales call as a final, uh, final mechanism to get them over the finish line, right? You would prefer to talk to people who already know who you are, who already like your stuff. And the salesperson just needs to negotiate, handle any final objections, talk about pricing, tell the story and tailor it to them. But like, I don't jump on any calls now with people who don't already know who I am. So. That's really critical. Um, in the past, I might have jumped on the sales call with someone who's brand new to me. Those are always the most painful deals to close. Those take a long time to close, 
right? So where does marketing end and where does sales begin? I mean, it's, it's kind of a blurred line, right? Like the reason why we do all this marketing stuff is to make sales way, way, way easier down the line. So when I talk about having content, when I talk about having even the DMs, when I talk about building a community, that's another thing that I haven't even talked about at all today, but it's probably one of the bigger reasons why I've scaled the way that I have is because I have a community. I have people that are collectively talking about the common topic together. They're sharing advice and I'm the host. I'm, I'm bringing them all together and I'm able to consistently add value to them. So by the time that they jump on a sales call, they've known me for months and months and months and the sales call itself is easy. Right? I don't even really need to do much convincing. My marketing has done the convincing for me. My marketing has done the selling for me. Right? In my webinars, in my Facebook Lives, in my podcasts, in the content that I give out, in the one-on-one -on -one conversations that I'll have with someone on the phone or in the DMs, by the time I jump on a sales call, it's like a quick demo of my product, a quick overview of the experience that they're going to get, overcoming final objections, um, negotiating pricing, and then helping them onboard. It's a different way, right? It's, it's, it's a more efficient way. It's a more efficient way. Like when I look at companies who are overly reliant on their sales team to do all the selling, those are the companies that are, are going to deal with very long sales cycles and worse conversion rates. You want to be able to master both the sales side and the marketing side and understand how to fuse them together. Right. I love, I love that, man. I, I did a post like, I want to say a month or two ago, the better your marketing is, the less selling you need to do. And I, I really believe that. And you probably know who Dan Henry is. Yeah. And he talks about like, he says, I don't do sales calls. I do closing calls. Like I yeah. want person to be like so sold already and to know what I'm doing. So I just jump to close them or yeah. his sales team. And I think even now, and I really, I've been through his funnel and before you even schedule a call with his team, like you need to either like have read his book, watched his webinar, some of his YouTube video, he doesn't want just, as you said, like I want people to know me, know what I'm doing before I'm going to take my time and jump and talk to them because maybe it's just a bad fit and it's better for yeah. them to go over the, the marketing material. Like I know people asking for my help and I was like, yeah, we can do this, but before you even know, like check this, like for example, live that I did or podcast episode. And if they're like so lazy to take like 40 minutes and watch it, I don't want to jump on 40 minute call and waste my time. Like exactly. It's like marketing is more scalable than sales. Like you only have so much time. If you're still doing your sales calls, every time you do a sales call, that's half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, gone, right? And it's worth it. It's revenue generating activity. But like, imagine your, your average sales cycle requires you to jump on two or three calls. It's just ridiculous. It's, and it's really hard to scale that because your time is your most valuable asset. And then if you're to hire salespeople, it's the same thing, right? You're paying a salary or you're paying them with leads, which is still like expensive. And like the more time that they're spending on just talking to a single client, the less money you make. The, the more their resources are allocated up and, and used up. So for me, marketing is more scalable than sales. Like sales need to step in at the point where marketing can no longer function, which is like usually the final close. Yeah, it's, it's the objection handling, it's the negotiation. And those are skills too, right? Like that's literally what I began my business trying to teach. I began my business without really talking about marketing at all. It was strictly like, here's how to better overcome objections. Here's how to negotiate better. Here's how to create better urgency. But like in the process of building my business, I realized like that's the final piece of the puzzle, right? Marketing can do 85% of the job and makes your life a trillion times easier. And organic marketing when done the right way can honestly help someone get to 90% of like a $10,000 close, which is crazy, right? Like when you think about a traditional $10,000 close, you're usually like needing to do sales calls and it's painful and a lot of back and forth and dialogue. It's like when you have the proper organic infrastructure set up where people trust you and they're in a community and they know and like your stuff, by the time they're on that call, like it's just logistics, right? It's almost a formality. I'm curious, uh, as I told you, I think before even we started recording, in affiliate marketing, people reference like high ticket as something one, two K, maybe above. Yeah. Uh, so 
presumably one doesn't even need to jump on a sales call to close like a thousand buck deal. Yes, you are right. You are right. So for me, I actually have my higher ticket program, which I do do sales calls with because like a, I'm a bit picky with the people that I bring on. I need them to have big goals. If they're, if they're, not even at 5k a month yet. I usually don't work with people in my high ticket program. And if they're not trying to hit like 50k a month organically, usually that's not big enough of a goal for me to get excited about, right? Those people, I almost need to do a sales call with. But then I do have a lower ticket offer, which is like a fully automated ever webinar. And people can just like go into uh, the webinar, they'll watch it at the end of the webinar, there's like a pitch and they'll buy the thing if they want to. So in that case, Technically, the sales is done by automation. So do you consider that sales or marketing? And that goes back to like, how do you define the two? Because technically, the webinar in and of itself just sells the product. It's like a pure sales pitch at the end. But people think of webinars as a marketing activity. I'm not actually there, right? So technically, I'm not firsthand selling. So like, what is the divide between marketing and sales. I do think with a lower ticket, the stuff that you're selling, the more likely you can get away with needing to do any sales calls. Um, if, if you're selling something that's a little bit lower ticket um, in the like low, low, low thousands, or even in just like the hundreds of dollars, um, you can probably just do it straight up via content and thought leadership and maybe like some DMing, maybe. Because like DMing is still a bit more of like a personalized approach. You can argue that sales is just like messenger sales. Um, but I, I definitely believe that if you're selling something below like two or $3,000, you don't even really need a sales call. You can have marketing almost like manage hundred percent of that. But you need to be good at marketing. I know people you better that be good at marketing then you better be good at marketing. Like I've at this point, I've moved so much products that's like fully automated in the thousand dollar, $2,000 range with no sales call, but you better be good at marketing. You better be good at webinars. You better be good at content. You better have like the automations dialed in, you better understand your API integrations. Like these are the things that you have to set up as a marketer. Um, to a degree, beginners should just stick to sales. <laughs> like there's less moving parts in sales. Right? Yeah. yeah. And which is like, for me, I'm very grateful because I began with the sales foundation. And then like, to me, marketing makes more sense running it through the lens of sales because you just need to learn the technology, but then the psychology is the same. Right. I think it's harder to be a marketer to learn how to do sales. I think it's easier to go from sales to marketing than it is the other way around. Yeah, That's interesting. I was first into marketing. So this year I'm kind of like learning sales, trying to, trying to improve in that all the while, like obviously trying to grow as a marketer as well and something we haven't touched upon. So I guess that can be kind of the last question, which is the third pillar that I think it's also needed. It's kind of like brand and audience building. And yeah. as you said, community building. So yeah. I want to hear your, your take on that because we covered a lot of ground on sales and marketing. So yeah. how do you go about, again, I try to be in the shoes of like maybe some affiliate, they're relatively new, couple of months in, they are kind of warm up. They want to leave their job to like do this full time. And from my knowledge, they do need to build some audience, some authority in the space. So yeah. how does one who is not an expert per se goes about doing that? Yeah. So I want to set a caveat, right? Like if, if you are very early, community is just not the way to go. I think community makes sense at a certain stage, but if you're in the beginning, just like release content on other people's platforms and channels and talk to people in the DMs. Just like start there because that's easy. You don't need to be responsible for your own audience. You don't need to build a brand and have people clinging onto your every word. You don't need that in the beginning. Just have a lot of conversations and get traction. But what's going to happen is in the process of getting that traction, you're going to start getting some customers and you're going to start having people that like your stuff and you're going to learn a lot more about your clients. And then you're going to hit this point where it makes sense to build your own community because you understand their psychology enough. And also because all of your previous efforts in being on other channels and other groups, you've built a little bit of a mini audience that you can just convert into your primary audience. So for me, I have an email list, but I'm more reliant on my Facebook group. Like I have my own Facebook group 
And all the people that I meet in other Facebook groups, I just funnel them into my own Facebook group, right? Same thing with LinkedIn. I meet a lot of people on LinkedIn and typically I just funnel them from LinkedIn into my Facebook group. And in theory, you can do the same. Um, if you meet people on Instagram, you can funnel them into your Facebook group or vice versa. That's the thing, like it can flow everywhere, right? Your audience doesn't necessarily need to live in one place. I'll have people that engage with me on multiple channels simultaneously. I'll see them responding to my emails. I'll see them engaging inside my Facebook group. I'll see them inside my, um, inside my LinkedIn profile, commenting and stuff. So you want to be able to cross-pollinate. You want to be able to have each channel help each other. But then you ultimately want to build a relationship within that audience so that you can have more of that ongoing nurture, if you will. Um, because the thing is, that really is what enables the sales cycle stuff that I talked about earlier to be shortened where someone enters a call and they've already known you for five, six, seven months. Yeah, they're ready to buy because they've seen you across multiple channels for that long and they've seen videos, podcasts, et cetera, from you. So yeah, like we, we begin doing our typical organic marketing and outreach and content on other channels. We build our audience across multiple channels. We contain them. We share more content within those channels. Um, so on Facebook, I'm always sharing additional content inside my group. Same thing on LinkedIn. And then they're getting even warmer and warmer and warmer and I'm also trying to get them to engage and interact, right? I'll ask questions. I'll have polls. I'll actually try to see if people can engage and ask each other questions and provide each other any advice so that it's not just about me. It's also about them and their ability to meet other folks. Um, and then monetization is really critical as well. You don't want to be that person that has this audience of thousands of people, but then somehow you're making no money. That's like totally pointless. Um, we build an audience, of course, to help our clients and our prospects, but we also build an audience because we want to make money. So it's not enough to just have content and engagement. You also want to be very strategic with a way in which you monetize your list. Having uh, posts that are actually about sales, having posts that are actually about converting into uh, a particular campaign. Like literally this week, I'm running a campaign inside my audience for an affiliate product that I promote. So in that case, like, I actually can use my audience for affiliate as well. And then sometimes it's not for affiliate. Sometimes it's straight up for me because I want to book more sales calls and I'll just put a post out there saying like, hey, you guys love my stuff. Who wants to jump on a sales call? I have five slots left for this month. So you want to follow that Gary V principle of jab, 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 right hook, right? Always add more value than you're asking for, but you better ask at some point. If you've built up that audience and you've shared all this awesome knowledge and you've earned the right to ask. In fact, I would say you owe it to your audience to ask because they're better off with your help than without it. That's, right? that's a really good point. Like at the end, you serve them better, better and at a higher level after yeah. they buy. Like you can only get so much from free content. And yeah. I have people coming up and like, I don't have money. I'm like, I have free stuff. Like go on a podcast, it's free, like over 100 episodes, everything's free. I have content on Facebook, Facebook group, like you name it, it's there. I have lower ticket products that I'm selling if you don't have a lot of money, but if you really want to be served at a higher level and get that yeah. like outcome that you desire, it's probably more likely that you will get it after you invest. And not only for the quality of content, but after we invest big money, we are more committed to make it work. Like you don't want to waste thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars. Uh if especially if you're like not having a lot of money so you kind of cling to it you pay attention you show up whereas if i were to give you the same content for free you likely wouldn't even show up so yeah people don't value things that they didn't actually work hard for or pay for and for me like the people whose lives i've transformed the most are all paying customers or i mean if if, if someone went from like zero to 100k per month on my free content i just i'm just not aware of it <laughs> but like i do know i've i've I do know I've taken a lot of people from zero to 30K, 40K, 50K a month. They're all paying me. <laughs> Maybe that's why I know because I've been more, um, you know, feedback oriented and I'm, I'm talking to those people more. I'm just more aware. But like, I, I would be surprised. Let's put it this way. I know my free content's amazing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if people got to 10, 20, 30K a month on my free content alone, if they're starting at zero. But like, I would be surprised if someone went from like, zero to 50k or 100k with my free content alone i think that would be hard okay so the majority of my audience is not at 30k a month so for those people interested to go from zero to 5 10 20 where can they find you where can they connect with you 
tell us the places i'll i'll link everything in the show notes yeah so i have a facebook group which is where my community hangs out where you can directly engage with me definitely check that out um i also have a webinar that goes much deeper into the the tactics and the automations and my strategy when it comes to organic marketing and i can give that to you as well so that everyone can get access and you can just uh you know go through that and just learn about the execution obviously in today's conversation we had to keep things a little bit more high level and not go too granular into the the specific tactics but you'll get that in this um in this webinar and uh if if you want to reach out to me i'm very accessible i'm on linkedin my name is like lloyd yip it'll be spelt on the show notes so you can just go there on facebook as well um send me a dm if you want to uh yeah i'm i'm very accessible on all the channels um people dm me all the time they'll just be like hey i saw you on a podcast i'd love to chat i respond to every single message guys um i'm i'm very you know open to talking I so that. yeah, that's where you can find me i love that you're humble if you will a lot of people after they gain traction they kind of to now they don't respond anymore so i love that you're approachable everyone you heard it facebook group profile linkedin uh everything will be in the show notes and now to make it even easier because maybe people will have trouble spelling your name uh, you can just find it at affiliatejourney.co/l just letter l that's it everything will be over there everything he had mentioned you get approach from to him and go connect I got a lot of value just out of this conversation so I'm sure you can get even more value out of his content. Lloyd, thanks so much for being a guest. It was yeah. it was a pleasure. I love your thinking, your approach and it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun on my end too, man. Really appreciate you having me on here today. Appreciate you being here, man. All right, All right everyone. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. Don't forget to subscribe as always. And until next time, goodbye. All right, everyone, as always, thank you so much for listening and sticking to the very end. I hope you got a lot of value. This was an intensive one. And as mentioned previously, you can find all the links at affiliatejourney.co slash L. Uh, obviously, if you're interested in either SAA and or my uh my coaching as well you can find the links at the very same place so yeah don't forget to subscribe and until next time cheers for your success